everyone. This is Tarot Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. So today on the show, we're going to talk about the TV series The Alienist, which is an American period drama uh, based on the 1994 novel of the same name by Caleb Carr. Ten episodes first season, eight episodes the second season, I believe. No, second season has eleven episodes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's about it's about eleven or twelve per season. Okay, cool. Yeah, it started in two thousand eighteen. I mean, I watched them all. I just didn't count. (laughs) Well, episode actually season two. Well, I was watching it on Amazon, so they were delayed. Like the last episode just came out like two weeks ago. Okay. For season two. So, and I know season three is. Yeah. See, I'm even looking at it. There's eight episodes in season two. Angel of darkness is it's called. Oh, you're right. And you're season one right. is 10 episodes. Yeah, so just it was, so people sorry. don't get confused. I'm sorry. So episode, I'm thinking of Hannibal. I'm watching so many series right now. <laughs> in a couple of weeks, we're going to do yeah. Hannibal as well. Episode so. eight was just released a couple of weeks ago. If you get it through Amazon, that's what but I'm it's all of. there now for you bingers. It is all there. And they're working on, season three but clearly with um covid things might be slow yeah yeah a little bit slower yeah it stars daniel Brühl, uh luke evans who i love who's amazing he's amazing <laughs> i never loved luke evans so much I but in know. this series uh and dakota fanning who in, is in a breakout oh my role God. right here i mean we're gonna get into the cast in a bit because shannon and i fangirled over this cast totally. i mean this is probably I'm going to say this before I get into just the root of this show and what it's about. I have very few shows that I can say, oh my God, that, that hit me and I want to go back and watch it. The Americans is one. I've talked about that on here before, even though it's not a horror genre. It's one of those shows where even though it's dark and it's heavy and there are a lot of seasons, it is so well done and so character driven that I could, I could sometimes I'll just watch random episodes of it because it's so well done. This one. um, And ironically, my brother introduced me to both of these series and he and I have, um, sometimes we have very similar tastes and other times I'm like, no, I'm not watching dances with wolves. <laughs> so, but when it comes to horror stuff, he's like raised me on horror and all this. So he, I trust him and he's like, just watch it, especially cause it's psychology and you'll love it. And so when I was visiting him, we started watching it and I'm like, okay, this is like the Americans. I immediately got hooked for a number of reasons, which we'll get into in a bit. But this is, um, it's a psychological thriller that takes place in 1896. So we're thinking end of the century, women's suffrage. It's also around the time where, you know, I don't know, syphilis was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about the hunt. The first season is about the hunt for a serial killer responsible for the gruesome murders of boy prostitutes that have gripped New York City. So at that time, um, there was a lot of, uh, pathology or pathologizing around sexuality. And so the idea was certain things that women wouldn't do or young women wouldn't do, um, young boys would do instead. So these boys would, you know, dress as girls or young women, and they were essentially called boy whores, or as I love Daniel Gruel says, a bayhar. Um <laughs> <laughs> with his accent. So the entire time I was visiting my brother, I'd, we'd, I'd see him in, in the house, hey, Jabai hot. Oh, um, and then the second season, it's a, you know, a whole other thing's going on, but this is the first season. And so I'm going to give a little bit of history. I love this because it's really the origin of forensic psychology. So when people see the title of this, they often think, oh, is this a supernatural show about aliens? No. There are supernatural elements. Uh, there are. There definitely are. <laughs> um, 
But the alienist is actually the name or was the name for a psychologist at that time um, who would treat the insane or how they would identify someone who had become alienated from their body or sense of self. Um, So the term is actually still used conservatively in forensic psychology and it's oftentimes assigned to people who perform evaluations for competency. So competency to stand trial, because um, if someone is going through a competency uh, evaluation, it typically means that they don't have the mental capacities to understand what they're going to court for or how the court process works or um, what their crime can, can they show up meaningfully to their trial um, and be represented. So you don't hear many people use it as much anymore, but that's really the only capacity as far as I'm concerned that it's used. But at that time, it was also a derogatory term, not only for what they referred to as the criminally insane, but psychologists were looked at as like a pseudoscience kind of evil, uh, often uh, too, because this was a time where you know, this is pre-World War One. This is just around the corner from when Freud comes in. And so we're looking at psychology. A lot of people looked at that as, you know, if you subscribe to this, you're making an excuse for evil because everything really was around good and evil. So there was a, a, an, a German psychiatrist at the time named Richard von Kraft Ebbing, I think is his name. Um, we'll just call him Dr. Von Kraft. But he wrote a book called um, Psychopathia Sexualis, and it was about sexual perversion, and it was written in 1886. And basically, it was um, it's very relevant to the first season in a way that they over-pathologized uh, any sort of um, even feelings around sex, right? Sex was only for two people who were married who were wanting to have a child. So very relevant in this first season because the murders are around someone who is a regular at the Bihars and um, killing a lot of these young boys. And um, so, you know, this is a time that psychology was in its infancy. The mentally ill were isolated and confined rather than, um, you know, treated. Medical professionals were still decades away from routinely performing behavioral analyses Um, So that would reveal inner workings of the criminal mind. So this is, you know, we've talked about the series Mindhunter before. Mindhunter, which now you're fast forwarding to 1970s, early 1980s. That's really when, uh, you know, and I know that there's all these decades in between, but that's really when we start to see law enforcement and psychology understand that, um, you know, understand the criminal mind more from a psychological point of view than from just a strict strictly criminal place so there's all of this is in its infancy so imagine the amount of over pathologizing that's happening and the stigma that's going on so it wasn't uh, until early uh, 20th century when psychologists began to consider influence of the unconscious so Freud's coming into play of the unconscious mind. And it wasn't until World War II where psychologists began to explore social and environmental um, contexts that could lead to aggressive and antisocial behavior. So at this time, when someone was uh, mentally ill, they were evil. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and clearly, there were people who were criminal masterminds at this time who were, you know, 
mentally disordered versus mentally ill and they were psychopathic, but psychology in general, anybody who had any sort of psychological symptoms were thrown in the same camp with these people. So that's really, I guess, the, the backdrop of this show. I mean, do you want to, is there yeah, anything else you want to add to I that? Do, I do. <clears throat> um, so just for the sun, just for the sake of clarity, the first season is set in 1896 mm-hmm. and Freud's studies on hysteria was 1895. Mm-hmm. So it's right around that. And um, interpretation of dreams was 1899. So just, these are like, I mean, his first book was in 1891. So it's literally right in that backdrop. And the alienists who, you know, were called that, as Kathy said, like alienated from your true nature, basically. And this was like, we, they didn't believe in psychology, like you said, but we were just starting to understand. And part of that was Freud, but it was pre-Freud because Freud's ideas were based on things before him, just Mm -hmm. like every idea. Um, We, we were just starting to believe that or look at how our past experiences inform our future behavior. And that's kind of what this, uh, really this crime show detective story is, is doing is it saying, Hey, you know, your past experiences might inform your future behavior. And that's that forensic piece of the behavior part of it. Not only are they looking at that idea and how we start to, believe that and look at past behavior as an indicator of future behavior. But then they also of course get into like, there's like the two guys that do the start to do fingerprints for them and stuff, which is all oh, that. I love that. Like it's like newfangled <laughs> technology. <Yeah. laughs> and also just to throw a, one more piece of context too, is uh, um, this is the time where Theodore Roosevelt is actually the newly appointed NYPD police commissioner um, who entrusts the alienists um, in the work that they're doing. So really early on police psychology, but it's really cool to see Teddy Roosevelt in this position, you know, this well, is and years it's, before. And it's one of the true stories that's happening in this show. Mm-hmm. So for you guys who are like, you want to fall down rabbit holes and you like this show, like look up Teddy Roosevelt fighting corruption in the NYPD blue because uh, NYPD blue, ha 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 NYPD. Um, mm-hmm. cause that's a real story and there's actual, you know, true, true stuff. It really does there. expose like, the the dark um, corruption in law enforcement at this time. Mm-hmm. And then William Randolph first comes in in the second season and there's more of that there. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing that's really at the forefront that, you know, just like connecting the history to this series is that um, the idea that not all of us, not everybody believes this now, <laughs> but I do. Uh, and this was kind of, they, they amplified the fact that, um, the main character believes that we're all capable of murder Mm -hmm. and, and just right. The circumstances have to be, you know, right. That's right. (laughs) Or wrong, depending on how you look at it. And so those ideas, those ideas of, you know, your past experiences or indicators and the forensic stuff, uh, the science stuff, fingerprints, da, da, da. And then the idea that we're all capable of murder and the birth of forensics and the first woman detective in the NYPD, you know, all of those ideas are, are distilled and, and acted out in this, what I would call a crime drama, a detective story, because, well, I don't know where you were going with that. I was about to talk about the series. Well, I, I, no, that's fine. I mean, we can. I think the, what I was going to add to what you're saying 
is in some ways it's a revisionist tale in the sense that we have a lot of outcasts who would be considered marginalized. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you have uh, the forensic, you have the psychologist, the alienist, uh, Mm -hmm. Laszlo, who is, um, you know, handicapped. And he comes from a history of trauma and abuse. And then you have Dakota Fanning, who plays Sarah, who ends up becoming a detective, but really starts as like a secretary. And she's a woman at that time who also comes from trauma. You have a Native American woman who is uh, selectively, I think she's selectively mute, comes from trauma and abuse. And the irony, I think, in this is the one main character who's a white heterosexual male, John, played by Luke Evans, Mm -hmm. right, who's unbelievable in the series, is he is is actually the outcast of their group. Yes. But he's also incredibly humble and vulnerable and learning about himself through these two seasons. And I fall in love with his character because he by no means plays the trope of the white hetero. In fact, he's always trying to protect Sarah. And Sarah's like, she doesn't say this, but in her own way, she's like, I can probably protect you because he's scared of everything. I know. Um, <laughs> and he gets himself into some kerfluffles. That's oh, for sure. God, I love him in this. <laughs> um, yeah, what I was, I'm glad. Okay, so we're, we'll talk about the series and not so much the history, but there is a lot of uh, history of mental illness in this. Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily accurate history. It's no. just, uh, it gives you the flavor. And so if you're into that, there's there's wonderful books and, and series that are, you know, documentary wise that can lead you down that path. But what I was going to say about this series is that if you think about if you like crime shows, if you like detective stories um, set in the period of time, which is very interesting for psychology, um, you know, there are things about this that are things that are familiar to you. So this series doesn't blow it out of the water as far as like it's not going to be familiar to you because basically it's like it's a main character mm-hmm. with a past with an obsession to find a killer mm-hmm. who's quirky and weird. Yeah. I mean, that is a character that we We've love. Seen. That is Sherlock. Yeah. That is House. That is, you know, yeah. like a puzzle and a, and a single minded, you know, almost narcissistic person who's going to go after it. And with, we love with, to watch that with great supportive roles Absolutely. around him. So yeah. that formula is very familiar. I just want to say that because like. It's familiar, and then you layer on top of that, this is my opinion, you layer on top of that that they prize character over plot, so the characters are primary and amazing, and you totally end up falling in love with them and, and, you know, sadness and grief and happiness and joy for all of them, whatever. Um, And, like you already mentioned, if you like to, as we do, if you like to get into like the shows that are how the killer thinks, like Mind Hunter, mm-hmm. that's that's what the show is doing, just mm-hmm. in a different different backdrop. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed it for all of those reasons. There's a lot of a lot of really great subtleties to um, yeah in the background. If you watch episodes over, uh, I was watching it. So the, there's two seasons. My brother and I watched the f- both seasons together. The first season he had already seen. So when we were watching it again, he's like, did you notice that? And we go and, and we'd watch and I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. And there's stuff going on in the background that, that really adds to the creep factor. Right. Um, also, I think what's really kind of it, unique about the show 
and something that they used to do more of, but a little bit more taboo and we don't see as much anymore is in both seasons, children are the targeted victims. And I don't mean like they were just abducted. In the very first season, the first murder victim investigated is a 13-year-old immigrant who has his who had his eyes removed, his genitals removed, and stuffed in his mouth and other injuries, okay? So this is, and these are all, in both seasons, it's like 13, 14 years, eight, uh, years old in the first season, and then infants in the second season. So it's, um, it, I think that also is, is a, a sign of its times where children were clearly uh, not, they were looked at as property for one. Mm-hmm. They were looked at as a uh, ransom um, and objects. And there's some scenes in the second, I think it's, I don't remember if it's the first or second season where, you know, there's all this like filth and, and, and plagues and, and viruses and stuff going on and not like COVID man. I mean, this is like, shit coming out of the walls. I mean, you walk into a, a, you know, a really poor building and there's just a baby lying outside the door crying. It's it's very, very, very vivid and very gruesome. And I think it, it highlights how devastating um, these times were and what a lot of the immigrant um, communities were experiencing with all the poverty. And, and then you add this added layer of, you know, murder and contempt that's going on. So I don't know. I just thought it was really, really well done. Yeah. It takes place a, in New York city. There's a, so, yeah. The, uh, yeah. Cause Roosevelt and NYPD and all of that, mm-hmm. um, is part of the backdrop, but yeah, I, I understand what I understand and felt what you're saying around, um, because there's a lot of illusion in the beginning about the murders not mattering because they're um, boy whores and children and children of a low socioeconomic status. So there's no family that cares, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, the patriarchy kind of saying, yeah, whatever. So what? And probably ask for it type of kind mm-hmm. of, they don't say those words, but there's that. And then, and then you get to jump on the bandwagon of, you know, this this wily band of brothers who are going to go f- find out who did it, you know, yeah. and then you kind of you're rooting that that's one of the you feel like also, you're with them. That's one of the qualities of this is you're sort of like rooting for them to figure it out. And so we what I like about that is that we get on the side of psychology mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to, you know. We suck or whatever. You, you're you're definitely on the side of these kids can do it. You know, yeah. They can figure it out. And in the whole team, like I said before, with the exception of John, who's going through his own stuff, mm-hmm. everyone is a minority. So you have Marcus and Lucius, who are the two Jewish brothers who were hired um, to do a lot of the investigation. And, you know, you have Laszlo, you have... Sarah, you have um, just it's it's a bunch of people who at that time would have been considered rejects to the community. And they write them so just strong and intelligent and assertive. And, and, and clearly people of color and marginalized communities were at that time, but people didn't see them that way. And I think that's why I see this as like a revisionist tale of looking back and thinking of how powerful that would have been at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and how we also wouldn't have seen it. And it also, you know, how these, this is the group of people who are, in, in, in a sense, going up against the corruption of the police department. So it's I- ironic because all of this was done before what we're seeing now. I, I mean, clearly we've seen this before in history, but there's an emphasis on it right now. So I don't know. I mean, there's, it's just, it's timely. 
it's well done. It's character driven. It's suspenseful. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. So, so there's some themes in here too that um, we haven't mentioned yet. Is that so the, you know, the quirky weird guy obsessed with, with going after the killer, is there are lots of interesting overtones for him, and I think what I liked most about that is that as I am always saying, and we are always talking about is that we're light and dark and he's a pretty dark guy as well. He is sexually repressed. He is uh, prone to outbursts of anger and violence. He is, seems to be a little bit, caught up in maybe like a sadomasochistic uh, mm-hmm. perspective. It's it's interesting. It, that makes, for me, that makes for a more interesting tale because I I like the anti-hero. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like black and white. Like, I like the dark and the light. Like, I like the shadow being right out there for us to play around with. It's more in the relatable, mud. too. It totally is. Yeah. And it's not what we get most of the time in real life. We don't get the you know, the character, the, the person in your life that you really get to, you know, their underbelly is there. Right. And so in this kind of drama, because he doesn't obviously show all of that to his friends, but because we're the view- viewer, we get to see his darkness. Mm-hmm. And that's where I kind of get the idea that, um, also what I've read about it, but that, you know, that he, I think he even says it too, but that he believes, you know, we're all capable of this. In fact, at least he knows he's capable of it. And he toys around with a little bit of those ideas throughout the series. And I, um, if I ever rewatch it, I imagine, like you said, I'll be able to see a little more of that. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, this show took me on a bit of a ride too. Oh so my gosh. I'm going to say, uh, we're going to mention a few spoilers. So, we're only about 20 minutes into the show right now, but I imagine now we'll, we're going to say some spoilers. So if you want to go and watch it, <laughs> take a Shut moment, off. come back, <laughs> come back some other time. But um, yeah, so let's talk like, ah, well, first of all, there's a, there's a love triangle, but, but beneath, <laughs> yes. beneath the surface of that, I would, I would say that every single character. So we have John, we have Laszlo. I'm going to main characters here. Sure. John, Laszlo, Sarah, um, uh, let's see. And then I would even go Marcus and Lucius, all of them seeking love. Every single one of them was seeking this empty. They were all empty in that way. They had come from some past trauma. John, you don't know as much about his past, but what you do know is that he has spent many years superficially filling that with random sex prostitutes. Remember mm-hmm. the scene where she, he has her wear the ring and yep. all that during sex, she borrows it. Um, so there is a deep, all of them are lonely at the beginning. They all are coming from a very lonely place, very lonely. And so if you think about the dark backdrop of the content of the murders, and then them pushing against societal norms, and then all of them feeling like outcasts and being lonely. You can see how like there's this drape of intensity mm-hmm. over the show, 
Um, and I think the first time I watched it, I did. I took a break in the middle of the first season, and I think that's probably why it's heavy. Is that it's just like okay, I need to exhale because there because. Although I didn't know it was going to be heavy either, like the the show hadn't been talked about when I first tra- watched it, and so I didn't know. I was literally just pushing play. Even the the theme song yeah. is so industrial. Every time it would come on, my brother he's like, oh "God, it gives me anxiety every time." And I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "It's just so dark." Yeah, it's all and very you see, dark. Like, the Statue of Liberty deconstruct and the whole and the it's just yep. like it's the so car- so yeah. So like what you're saying about the sadness. So then what happens is, and the reason why I wanted to announce spoilers a minute ago is that they all get their heart broken. Yeah, every. Buddy yep. gets their heart broken. I swear to goodness. I think it was like it, w- it was in season one. But when his maid is murdered, his that, house person, his, his the love. love of his life. He's never felt love before. But yes, she says, is the maid. Yes. Says so, to, yeah. When he says to John, oh, is this love? Is this what it feels like? So she is murdered. And I was pissed. Yeah. Like I was literally mad. Like I couldn't watch the show for a week. Yeah, because I was mad at them. You get that in, <laughs> and then the stuff between Sarah and John. You really feel like you're part of their crew. They write it so well. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I was really angry. I was angry about Marcus, um, and what happened to him. I was I was angry. Uh, you know, Lucius had to go through all of that with the the woman who goes in to be the nurse in the second season. Mm-hmm. Um, they all suffer, and then and then just the unrequited, unrequited thing. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh, they. It's like so. The love of his life is murdered after they finally kind of have a moment mm-hmm. and kiss or have sex or whatever that happened. Then I don't remember, but they finally have that moment. And then she's murdered, and I was so angry and so sad for him. So then that happens. And then in the second season, there's this, they really up the ante with the unrequited love between Luke Evans' character and Dakota Fanny's character. And it's not that she doesn't love him. She can't let herself, and he knows it, which is worse. Well, and I also think it's coming from sort of, misguided insecurity about not being able to satisfy his, what he wants from life. And that might be very true. Like that's mm-hmm. the question in the end where, you know, he's with someone else and he's going to have that, that life quote unquote, that family life that she doesn't, isn't sure she wants, mm-hmm. but if she did want it, it'd be with him. That's what I mean. It's yeah. like she can't let herself go there because she doesn't know where it would go and she might end up getting hurt, which is the free fall of love, right. man. Like you but she's so controlled. I know. And she plays this part. She's this the only strong female lead in this show. And all the other women are just kind of, you know, flighty and there. And But she, other than the villains, there's some good strong female villains in the second season. But as far as like a regular character, she, she plays it just enough that she isn't... Uh, a trope or a, or surfaced or one dimensional. There's so much depth to every single one of these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what really pulled me in. Cause anyone can watch a crime drama. Yep. And any can, anybody can watch a period piece and yep. anyone can watch something gruesome. 
But like in any good show, you fall in love with the characters. Yeah, I mean, that's why I say like they pri- they definitely prize character over plot because like from an objective standpoint, if you, we like crime dramas, we like detective stories, we like these kinds of like hero characters and that's a very good formula. But the what exalts it, just like, you know, like any show that you love is that the the plot and the backdrop and everything has been done before but the but the emotional integrity of the character arc of each character they go, each character goes on a journey and is changed by the end and that's the very definition of having a good character arc in a story mm-hmm. and the emotional content like yeah that's what succeeds for me not so much when it is and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Although obviously we find that material very interesting because it's right up our alley. Right. But the emotional depth is for sure. We totally agree. Like that's what makes it like if it didn't have that. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting from a purely intellectual standpoint. It would still be interesting. Well, we've talked about films on the show before where the film itself is okay, but the reason why it didn't really do well was because you didn't really care about the people in it. Yep. So the movie was like, yeah, it had its moments, but if I don't care that someone's dying or if I don't care if someone's heart's getting broken, then it's, it's just a script. That's right. Um, And so, and that's most movies really. Yeah. But I I would say for people who haven't seen it, um, Hmm. which we've lost all them anyway, because I announced spoilers. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. You know, it's, if you like Sherlock Holmes, if you like, that sort of feel mixed with more psychology. Um, I really recommend it. Um, So Caleb Carr, who wrote the novel, he said the biggest challenge was to study the psychological literature of that day so that none of my characters would know any more than they could have known about psychology. So he was really deliberate. Mm -hmm. And because if you look at Laszlo, who plays the alienist, Mm -hmm. he's incredibly brilliant. But yep. for that time. Yes. And they don't ever mess that up. Mm-hmm. And I think that takes so much um, time studying, investigating, because Caleb Carr is not a psychologist. Mm-mm. So he had to research, okay, what would have been the most someone could know? And then match that with the culture. And a third, I would add a third dimension to that, which is, there's clearly a level of morality that exists as a culture, but then within subcultures, there's like less of that. So Laszlo, he didn't subscribe to the religious piece, but you know that he probably subscribed to it more than maybe people do now, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense, because it was more normalized. So I guess what I'm saying is everything they did to develop the temperature the information that a psychologist or a police officer or a layman would know at that time was so incredibly deliberate. And I think that's what I appreciate about it is it was intelligently done. It wasn't impulsive and it wasn't like, oh, nobody would know that if somebody said that. They wouldn't know if that was actually done at that time or not. Yeah. It was so <laughs> flipping deliberate. I love it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And stands up to, like, the story could could be now and still be scary. Oh, definitely. You know? So, oh, definitely. The dark, I mean, just <clears throat> the I mean, 
here's the thing is, is it's not like, oh, that was dark for the time. The things they're doing and talking about and investigating are dark now. Like, this is dark stuff. This is like babies being killed and children being dismembered. Yeah. Like, this is not, this is bad. Atmospheric. I mean, it was, when you watch it, you feel like you're, you're being cloaked. Yeah, the mood. In this dark, it was incredibly atmospheric. So, I don't know. I just really, I think every once in a while, there's a series that will come out like this that's so different um, and so in, intelligently, d- you know, um, done or put together. And I felt that about this. And just for people who watch our show and, and appreciate psychology and horror together, it, this to me, this is a series people shouldn't miss. Yep. So That's why we decided to do an episode on it. It's an important one. Because it's a TNT. A lot of people don't. Yeah, yeah. Give these series, you know, this is not on a major. No, no. And it, they're, I, and it's a show that's struggling to continue in that, because of that. Yeah. Like these are the kinds of shows that will do one and done, like one right. season or two seasons. You know, they only got eight, eight episodes. You know, they did 10 and they did eight. Like if I look at it from a business standpoint, you know, there, there have been things like, oh, I hope we get a third season, you know. Yeah. So um, we want to support them continuing on because i mean the the series the way it is now did wrap up in a way that they could never they don't have to continue right but they also have the opportunity to continue right. so i'm i'm hopeful that they do yeah there's talk a third season so we'll just see hopefully the pandemic doesn't you know completely annihilate that but i know that they are filming right they're starting to film again and uh i have friends of mine in the industry they basically what they do is everyone on crew gets a covid test they all go to a hotel for two weeks and quarantine yep. Yep. and then everybody starts to shoot and crews wear masks and you know, it's, it's coming back. Yeah. No friends of mine are all shooting again and some aren't. So like the bigger production company television shows for big conglomerates aren't necessarily working yet. Yeah. And then, then commercials, m- smaller movies are. So like, that's kind of my like, that's what I've heard from the street from yeah. the people that I know. It's kind of the tenor of it We're right hopeful. now. We're so hopeful. Even though Stranger Things is going to be delayed by a couple months, I'll take it. Yeah, all the things are delayed. But we'll take it. We take just it. we just we just support everybody coming back in a safe and healthy manner. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. Please check out our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community. Please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.